Yeah, yeah. Good morning, church. Let's have the children go out for uh, Kingdom Kids at this time with, uh, with Tagu. All right. I want to make an announcement before I actually begin the message, which we're going to be in 1 Timothy. I'm, excuse me. We're not going to be in 1 Timothy. We were in 1 Timothy 3 in Sunday school, and I'm still locked in. Uh, no, we're, in, we're going to be in Matthew 8. But uh, speaking of 1 Timothy 3, we've been studying about elders in uh, Sunday school. So uh, in that, I wanted to bring uh, attention to uh, Larry Hank this morning. Uh, Larry Hank uh, has uh, stepped down as elder uh, there with, with um, uh, Derek Sweats moving to Michigan. That opened up a whole territory of things that needed to be done and uh, Oh, it wasn't Michigan? Let's start over. I'm Creighton Beatty. <laughs> oh, gang, anyway. Uh, Larry, uh, you, you know Larry. Larry has just worked and worked and served and served uh, as an elder in this congregation. And uh, there's, hardly, there's hardly a ministry that his life hasn't touched in this church, and, uh, except for the ladies' ministry. I don't think you were involved in that one. But uh, seriously, gang, you know how busy he's been, and uh, so he has stepped down from that role. And so I say God bless you, Larry Hank, for the service that you have given. Yeah. All right, so uh, we're going to be talking about elder in that class again next week. If you'd like to join, if you're not in a class already, we'd love to have you. Okay, so we want to dive into Matthew 8. I wanted to start out by saying that life, life brings us some pretty tough situations, doesn't it? Why, if we could just drop the word for a moment and just go through some of your stories, I, I guarantee if, if you were limited to five minutes, we could still fill an hour with where you may have said at one time in your life, I can't take anymore, or this is insane, or Jesus, I'm afraid. But you know, we start out life, we start out life like this, how so? Well, you guys remember a little, um, the, the nursery rhyme uh, poems and songs, uh, we start out by rock a by baby in a treetop, when the wind blows, the cradle will rock, when the bow breaks, the cradle will what? This is a lot of comfort to your newborn, right? This is a lot of comfort to your toddler. To, and then right on up, this cradle is going to fall and it's not going to be good. So, Jesus, I'm afraid, right off from the beginning. How about your childhood prayer? Many of you learned that prayer about now I lay me down to sleep. And, you know, that was the first one was written by Joseph Addison, March 8th, 1711. So that thing is 310 years old, but you don't know this one. This was the original. And he wrote, When I lay me down to sleep, I recommend myself to his care. When I awake, I give myself up to his direction. Now that's just a good prayer. But it's not a poem for children. And so uh, they moved on, did they not? They moved on to the school book for colonists, the New England Primer, and that's where the prayer you know 
was created for our colonist. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Exactly. Again, didn't that shake up a lot of kids? D didn't they know that you just prayed they might not wake up in the morning? That they might not make it through, that they might die? I don't know. I don't know about you. It, prayer didn't bother me as a kid, but it might have bothered some of you. Well, uh, where does the source of our comfort come from? I heard a song last week. I loved it, so I went and printed out the words on the Internet. It's by Ingrid Michelson, and it's called Be Okay. Have you heard that? Be Okay. I love that song. I, I just heard it last week. And I love this song. I just want to be okay, be okay, be okay. I just want to be okay today. I just want to feel today. Feel today, feel today. I just want to feel something today. Open me up and you will see. I'm a gallery of broken hearts. I'm beyond repair. Let me be. And give me back my broken parts. I just want to know today, know today, know today. I just want to know something today. Know that maybe I will be okay. The tune is a catchy tune. Now, you're going you're gonna to get out in the car and look that thing up on YouTube, aren't you? Don't do it now. Don't do it now. But you know what? I like what people wrote at the end of the, the video on YouTube. And here are some of the words that people wrote. The class of 2020, please rise for your anthem. I think that's how children... Teenagers, young adults feel today. Another one wrote, They played this song for me in the hospital while I recovered. I will always love this song. Another one wrote, Today was my first class of nursing school after being out of school for a while. Eleven hours study at home. I'm so tired. This song makes me feel better. And then this one, When I'm depressed, this song really helps. And I think that we do live in a day and age of anxiety and depression. I want us to know and remember, church, that we can go to Jesus when we are afraid. Now, you know that. But I think our go-to is uh, comfort food, material possessions, and maybe even alcohol when I am afraid. So, as we exercise our faith in times of trial and testing, our faith grows. This is where I want us to be today. I want us to grow our faith. We will one day be able to look back and see that it was our faith, not our feelings. What do you turn to? It's probably something when you're going through a hard time and you're afraid, you turn to something that's going to do something to your feelings. And I want you to know Jesus more closely. Jesus wants to be there. He wants to be invited into your pain. He wants to be invited into that circle that has become your life. And Jesus is there. And then true faith is what it takes to get us through when our minds and our bodies are assailed upon. And so you've turned to Matthew chapter 8. Let's go ahead and read verses 23 through 27. Jesus, I'm afraid. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. 
And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being covered with the waves. But Jesus himself was asleep. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O men of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. The men were amazed and said, What kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Yeah, what kind of man is that? He's the Son of God. It's Jesus, our Lord and our Master. And so, when our mind is threatened, I want us to realize that you can cry out to Jesus and say, Dear Jesus, I'm afraid. I need you. And so, uh, why should you be afraid? In verse 26, it says, And he said to them, Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly uh, calm. In verse 24, it said that it was a great storm. The, the word for that great storm in the original is seismos. And we've got a word in our English language that has seismos in it, a seismograph. And seismos means a great shaking. And so when there is a great earthquake, it will re a seismograph will register how, what type and what size of a great shaking it was. And so uh, Jesus is, is there in the boat. He's asleep. The disciples say in verse 25, Lord, save us. We are perishing. Now, church, don't we feel that way at times? Some of you may feel that way right now. Some of you may have felt that way all your life. You really deal with some things mentally. But we have felt that way. A Christian friend of mine, a lady, she'd go walking at night, stepped out into the road one night, and a speeding car hit her. She went through a seismos. She went through a great shaking. To, to lay on a table in an emergency room and not know if you will be dead later that night. She went through a shaking for uh, over a year of physical therapy trying to get uh, her, her uh, bones and muscles back to where they needed to be. We all go through a great shaking. Uh, a friend of mine, Mike Smith, uh, down in King, North Carolina, he served in Vietnam and in Vietnam, his buddies uh, all died with liver problems. Was it Agent Orange? I, I don't know. But sh surely you, you have to think such thoughts. And so he was, he was suffering physically. And his son, Brian, a missionary in Puerto Rico, and that's how I, I know the story, is because Craig and Lindsay served in Puerto Rico, and they were best friends to Brian and Anna Maria. Brian was a perfect match for his dad to receive 60% of Brian's liver. Can you fathom that? So let me, let me set this up if you've never seen it before. Mike goes into the hospital uh, in horrible shape, and he comes out of the hospital in great shape because he received 60% of a healthy liver. His son had gone into the hospital healthy, and he was taken out in a wheelchair to the car, but he got strong and he began to run races again. It's phenomenal 
But what I'm describing to you is we go through great shakings in our life. We really do. And so we go through traumatic experiences. Why would we be afraid? Well, a traumatic experience would make anyone afraid, wouldn't it? So what is a traumatic experience? It's a very stressful life event. Mental health professionals define a traumatic event in a very specific way, especially when trying to determine whether or not the person may have a PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And so the person experienced or they witnessed or was confronted with an event where there was the threat of or actual death or serious injury. The event may also have involved a threat to the person's physical well-being and the physical well-being of those around them. Many of you have been through traumatic experiences. Jesus, I'm afraid. The person responded to the event with strong feelings. It might have been fear. It might have been helplessness. It might have been horror. My son Craig, when he was in Puerto Rico, sure, he took his turn preaching at church, and he was a Christian a school teacher, and he taught Monday through Friday, but he loved to disciple young men, teenagers there in the school and in church. And on one such trip out camping up there in the, in the mountains and, and swimming in the river, the four of them swam across the river, and one of them got caught in a hydraulic hole. And that's where the water comes over a big rock, and with just tremendous force, it takes down anything and everything down to the bottom. And Nathan swam through that hydraulic hole, and it took him down. Craig jumped into the water, and he recognized instantly this was not regular river water. Nathan was gone, and he had to do what he could to even get out of the hydraulic hole. Many of you know that story because he came here and preached and shared that, but that was a traumatic experience. Nathan, what a, great, what a great guy. He had just, Sunday night before, graduated from high school at the Christian school, summa cum laude. He was already accepted at Purdue University, Lafayette, Indiana. Great kid, voted best student in the school. Traumatic counselor there in Puerto Rico said that it takes a year of constant counseling to work your way through a traumatic experience like that. And I wonder sometimes if it isn't longer. When you go through a traumatic experience, it has to run its course. There are no quick fixes. And we pray and we seek help and we know that God has not abandoned us when we feel broken and we feel distraught and we feel traumatized. Jesus spoke. And the winds obeyed his voice. Verse 27, what kind of man is this? That even the winds and the sea obey his voice. I, I wonder what the disciples did around a campfire that night after he had rescued them that day on the sea. And the stories, they must have hashed over the times that Jesus bailed them out or bailed others out. I imagine you would go from, from laughing to crying or maybe from crying to laughing when you hang out with Jesus.
make, make Jesus do that for you. Whatever you may be experiencing right now, may your tears be turned to laughter. God bless you that are hurting. God bless you. Faith in Christ can get us through. Turn to him while everyone else around you works with you and, and medical attention works with you and maybe even many have to go on medication. But I want you to know that Jesus will hear your prayers. He will not leave you. Number two is when our life is threatened. In verse 25, it says we are perishing. Now, who are the we? We are perishing. Well, of course, it's the disciples, but four of those 12 disciples, four of them are professional fishermen. They've been on the lake all their life. They know what storms are. We've been there. We've done that. And yet this storm was of a nature. It was of a perfect storm. It was of a great quaking and their lives are perishing, and they knew it. Listen, listen, church. Right after this service, we're going to have our prayer inspiration, and we're going to get together and pray. And we pray for you every month when we have these. We would like for you to stay. We'd like you to stay and pray along with us and be blessed by the prayers. But look at our prayer list. We pray for those who have cancers. We pray for those who have surgeries. We pray for those who have transplants and car wrecks and family members who are at the end of their life. And, and what do we do? What do we do? Jesus, we're perishing. We need you. We need you, your help. I'm afraid. I love the chorus uh, in the morning, or some people call it, Give Me Jesus. I, I love that course. In the morning when I rise. In the morning when I rise. In the morning when I rise. Give me Jesus. The chorus, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. You know the other two stanzas? When I am alone. When I am alone. Doesn't that make sense? Give me Jesus. But that last one, boy, it means a lot to me. When... I come to die, when I come to die, when I come to die, give me Jesus, give me Jesus. You can have all this world. You know, when we sing that chorus and we get to that part, give me Jesus, and you can have all this world, man, that is a moving and a touching song, but do we mean it? I hope you do. I hope we do mean it. How beautiful it is when we do mean it. Give me Jesus. In verse 27, we need to be reminded as to what kind of man this is. Jesus, he's our comforter. Jesus, he, he is our shield. He's our rock. He's our foundation. Jesus is our best friend. And Jesus is here for us. I can serve a God like that, can't you? He never will leave me. Even when I cry out, Jesus, I am afraid. And then third today is a body and soul. Now, I'm going to turn a couple of pages to uh, Matthew chapter 10. Let's go to Matthew 10, and I, I want to read verse 28. 28. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, this is a wow chapter. 
Uh, this chapter brings so much wow and punch to it because this is where he, earlier in the chapter, he sends the disciples out to preach. And, and you know how inadequate you feel. First time you're called upon to teach uh, at Vacation Bible School, how inadequate you felt. First time you were called upon to be an elder, how inadequate you felt. Anytime a Sunday school teacher, whatever you've been asked to serve at, how inadequate. We have felt when we went out. And these 12 went out to preach. And in verse 16, he says, I will send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Yeah, Jesus, I'm afraid. In verse 17, he said, beware of men. In verse 22, he said, you'll be hated by all because of my name. In 23, but when they hate you, don't stop preaching. Go to the next city. And 26, do not fear them. The atrocities that the world can bring upon Christian people. He says they will happen. He says it won't go unnoticed. Our Heavenly Father knows what you are going through. Whatever happens to you will be made right one day. Go, preach, anyway. In the text again, verse 28, Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now see, here's the deal in this third point. Christians, do your duty and do not fail Jesus in this. Go. And do not fear. Do not fear. They can only kill the body, but they cannot kill the soul. That was a cute uh, commercial on Pandora Radio. A little girl was going into surgery, and her little friend, her little girlfriend said, uh, they can only operate on your body. They can't operate on your soul. You're going to be okay. And that was so uh, comforting to her, but it was a cute commercial to hear. And so do not fear men, but uh, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Verse 28, uh, I've read it twice. Let me read it a third time. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are un unable to kill the soul, uh, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. The, the word in the Greek for destroy is apolemi. It means to ruin. It means loss of well-being. It does not mean uh, bug zapper. It does not mean that hell is extinction. No, it means that in destroy your body and soul in hell, it, it is to destroy the well-being of your body. It's, it's like you've ruined, everybody in here has ruined a shirt, a blouse, a pair of pants, a slacks, a dress. Everybody in here has ruined something. It did not cease being a dress. You just ruined it, and you're not going to wear it anymore. And, and, and everybody's gone to the grocery store, and maybe you've had the bagger. They don't bag groceries anymore, do they? Yes, they do. The person actually doing the cash. Used to be a bag boy. Remember that in, in the old days? And, and he'd take that loaf of bread and put it in there and then take a can of something and... <laughs> it's still bread. But you still don't want it because it's ruined. The bread's well-being. You can't, you can't put peanut butter on that bread. 
And so that's what we're dealing with. Look over to Revelation chapter 6. In Revelation chapter 6, in verses 9 through 11, 9 through 11, this text wakes me up every time I read it. I want to share it with you. In Revelation 6, 9 through 11, when the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God, because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each of them a white robe. And there were told there they were told that they should rest for a little while longer. Listen to this. Until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. So, they have, a lot of them have already died. And their souls are under the altar in heaven and they are wondering, when are you God? When are you going to make it right? When are you going to avenge our blood? And he says, not until more. Not until some more die. Our job isn't over. We're trying to live such a life that we ensure we'll never die a martyr's death. Aren't we? I mean, don't we? I mean, I know we, we don't think about it like that, but has anybody died a martyr's death in our congregation? The congregation's 41 years old. Has anyone died a martyr's death in our congregation? Has anyone died a martyr's death in very many congregations in America? No. We, we're doing a pretty good job of not dying for Jesus. But he said we were going to. What are we doing wrong, church? What are we doing wrong? As Jesus spells out to the disciples and to us today, we are going to face trouble and we uh, do not fear. And he uses that phrase three times in 26, in 28, and in 31. But then in 29 and 30, he says these words, Matthew 8, 29 and 30. They cried out saying, what business do we have with each other, son of God? No, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in the right place. What business do we have with each other, son of God? No, I am not in the right place, people. Okay. Well, I tell you what, I'm supposed to be in Matthew 10, and I turn back to my main text of Matthew 8. And so there's, and there's my problem. All right, so let's go to verse 29 and 30. My apologies. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than sparrows. Wow. God help us to, to be his church. Time-tested truths trusted by millions and millions of Christians through the ages. What are we going to do? For illustration, I want you to think about Peter. I want you to think about how many times Jesus rescued Peter. And therefore, Peter had the boldness 
on the day of Pentecost to preach. He had the boldness to be crucified upside down one day when he died for Jesus. What was that? Well, first of all, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Remember that? She had a fever, and, and that was the first taste that they had. Wow. He healed my, just by speaking the word. And then on two occasions, uh, the super catch of fish that they had. One, they had fished all night, and they hadn't caught anything, and he said, well, throw your net on that side. Oh, yeah, right. And they did, and it was more fish they could handle. Well, what about the time that Peter, uh, they were talking about temple tax, and, and, and Jesus told Peter to go down to the lake and cast in a line, a hook, and he pulled up a fish, and he says, there's going to be your tax and mine in the fish. Is Jesus not teaching us how to trust him when he bails us out? When he bailed you back in, in 1990, he bailed you out. And then in 99, he bailed you out in, in 2003 and 2013. And, and he's bailed you out last year. And now we've got our backs on the wall. And we're going, I don't know if he can do it. Well, of course he can do it. Lean upon what he's done for us in the past, and he will pull us through. And after, and, and then, what about when Peter took the sword in, in the garden at night and, and took off the servant's ear, and Jesus reaches down in the dirt and gets the ear, and, and it stays. Wow. And then what about when Peter was in, in, in prison well, in the book of Acts, and it talks about the angel came and got him out. Jesus is bailing out his disciples. And if he chooses not to, then our souls will be with those in heaven and we'll pray for those back on earth to join us. Wow. Jesus, I'm afraid. When my mind is threatened, when my life is threatened, when my body and soul are threatened, God help us. Now, you don't know this, I don't guess you do, but the Tour de France bicycle race is ending today. Anybody knew that? No. Okay, all right. In TV land, nobody knew. Well, uh, when a bicyclist goes down, you know, they're doing 20 miles an hour. They, they, could, they can average speed 30 miles an hour on a bicycle for crying out loud. And when you go down... It hurts. And, and, and I remember a commentator said this. As the doctor, the bicyclist got back on his bike and, and, the, and the team car and the doctor has got antiseptic spray out the window, pumping it on the guy's bleeding elbow as he's going back uh, on, the, on the road. And, and this is what the commentator said on the, on the TV. Accidents are right around the corner and they don't care who they bite. And I thought, boy, that's us. That accidents are right around the corner for us, and they don't care who they bite. Now, I want to give you an illustration, and uh, it's about Mark Cavendish. He's, he's one of the riders in the Tour de France. He's been riding, it seems like, for ages, and I'm going somewhere with this, so hold on. But Mark Cavendish uh, was in the 2014 Tour de France. Now, you have to understand Mark Cavendish's nickname is The Missile. Because after they have rode 90 miles, 140 miles, whatever the ride was that day, they've been riding all these days, over 100 miles every day. When his team delivers him to the finish line, 
They peel away and these guys can bicycle up to 45 and 50 miles an hour. That's phenomenal. On the very first day of the Tour de France in 2014, Mark Cavendish crashed, and he was out of the race. He was out of the race. The missile. Mark Cavendish did not even show up to the Tour de France for three years. We all wondered what happened to him. Sometimes a wreck, a tragedy, takes you out for a long time. When he did come back to the Tour de France, he wasn't the same. He wasn't the same. He, he wasn't the missile. And everybody was waiting for him. You know, what, what's going on? And so sometimes when you're back physically, you're not back mentally, right? Now, it's not going to make any never mind to you. But this year, 2021, the missile is back. <laughs> he got his savvy back. He, he, he got the mojo, whatever it is that he had. And he has tied the Tour de France record holder for the most stage wins, Eddie Merrick's. And this is, means absolutely nothing to you. <laughs> but it means a lot to people that like to ride. And so I said that long illustration to say this. Once upon a time, you had it. You had the moxie. You had the savvy. Once upon a time, you had the guts and the glory. But not so much anymore. Wow. Once upon a time, life was full for you. And then came cancer. Or then came divorce. Or then came the death of one of your children or your spouse. Or maybe you were fired from a job. Or maybe you feel in the blank what happened to you. We've all experienced it. Jesus, I'm afraid. And you have learned how to quote Psalm 23 verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. For Jesus, for Jesus Christ is with me. I want to close with an illustration. May God receive the glory by the way we live and walk. And why do we keep on keeping on? And why do we choose to, to serve even when nobody else will serve with us? Why? In a small bamboo town in Burma, 130 Christians live. It's a remote part of a restricted country. And these men and women of God live in an area that is sacred to Buddhists. Our brothers and sisters are harassed by local authorities and by Buddhist monks, often leading to violence. Meeting in a home, to have worship in a home that the home has been torn down twice by the authorities because they said the home was too big. We're not faced with that kind of stuff in America. But the Buddhist monks and the authorities tear down the house because Christians meet there claiming the house is too big. Church leaders are frequently called in by the authorities for allegations made against them by their neighbors or by the Buddhist monks. 
And this difficult, it's a difficult place to serve Jesus and to follow Jesus in a town like that. And these Christians were asked why they choose to stay and why they choose to stay and live for Jesus. And their answer really becomes what people have grown accustomed to when we listen to the testimony of our Christian brothers and sisters in third world countries. And, and, and their answer was, after knowing the true and living God, how could we ever stop loving him? Our persecutors do not know the love of God, and so we love them and we share with them. We have peace in our hearts so that whether we are poor or persecuted, we have peace. And it is the hope of heaven that keeps us going. And I think, wow. Praise God. Let's not get caught up in our Jesus, I'm afraid, when we've got brothers and sisters over the the big pond that are, are being beat for their faith. There are people dying for their faith in Jesus. There are people that their homes are destroyed. Their churches are destroyed for Jesus. But we've got that hope that one day, man, we've got a place that's indescribable to the human mind when we go to heaven. So do not give up. Do not give up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray today, we've all had our back on the wall, and there was nothing easy about it. Nothing. But may we take consolation in the fact that you are near, that you are a prayer away, and that you know what we're going through. You know what physical pain is. You know what it is to see others in pain and have no hope. And so I pray, dear God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here that struggle. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to walk with them, to lift them up. Whatever road they're going down, you're going with them. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. The invitation today is the same as it is every day that God puts breath in our lungs and that we would serve Jesus with all our heart, with all our heart. If you want that for your life, won't you come and take my hand and tell me what you want to do for him. Be bold, be brave. Let's do it today. Let's stand. Mm -hmm.